Well, good morning and welcome. As always, it's our joy to open the Word of God together. And so we're going to be starting in the book of Proverbs this morning. We've got a five weeks on Proverbs, um, and Proverbs chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to be there in just a moment. And as always, we're going to be asking ourselves the same question as what does the Bible say, not what do we think. Um, but before we jump into that, you know, we are talking about the book of Proverbs, so just to make sure that there's at least a few people paying attention out there. Maybe we should start off by sharing, if someone could share with me, maybe a proverb or a wise saying that you have heard along the way. Maybe you learned it from a parent or grandparent. It doesn't have to be a biblical proverb. Maybe a, a proverb or a wise saying that stuck with you and you think, man, when you think of like a proverb, this is a thing that you think of and it reminds you of some truth about life or other activities. Any proverbs out there? What's that? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All right, so she's going to teach this morning. Um, what else? What other Proverbs have we heard this morning? Proverbs from life or from, you know, that kooky old uncle that you had? Early to bed, early to rise. Early to bed, early to rise. Make something, something, something healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? Yeah, okay, there we go. Early to bed, early to rise. Yeah, it's very pithy. We can remember it. Spare the rod. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. Yep, so one man sharpens another. Red sky in the morning. Red sky in the morning. <laughs> Sailors take warning. I, I was thinking a bird in the hand is worth uh, two in the bush, right? Or a stitch in time saves nine. Mine is like change the oil before the service engine light comes on. I think that should be a proverb. Um, I would have like a 0% pass rate on that proverb because I'm not great at car maintenance. But like we have all these pithy sayings that we can remember and that teach us some truths about life or about this world that God has put us in. Well, as we get into the book of Proverbs today, you know, as we think about um, what we're going to be studying, you know, and since it's January 7th, it's the first Sunday of the new year, it seemed appropriate that I would title this message, Resolve to be Wise, because we're going to find out that there is an action on our part, right? We don't just fall backwards into it. You don't just like accidentally wake up and like, whoa, like wise today. That must've been a great nap. Maybe that nap was refreshing, but we don't just suddenly like fall backwards into wisdom. We have to be resolved to do it. And now as we think about that, we're seven days into the new year. So I don't want to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you are already failing on a new year's resolution, right? Oh, actually, okay. We got some hands. We got some bold ones out there. Yes. Yes. There's a few uh, habits that I'm behind on already as well, right? How many of you by show of hands have, a, have as your goal or your resolution this year, resolve to be a fool? You're like, resolve to be a fool. Like my resolution this year is that at least a few times in 2024, I want someone to look at me and be like, Ben, you fool. Like what's going on? But what we're gonna see today in the book of Proverbs is that if we are not resolving to be wise, we are actually choosing to resolve to be a fool. Those are really the only two alternatives. Like there's, there's no part of us that's like, we're just gonna like maintain in the passing lane, right? Set our cruise control just right, like one mile under the speed limit, get in the passing lane, everyone's gonna love us for that. That's a great New Year's resolution. No, if we don't resolve to be wise, then we are choosing by default to, resolve, to be resolved to be a fool. So we're gonna see in the book of Proverbs this morning that God is showing us how Proverbs can be used in our lives to impart wisdom to us, wisdom about the details of life, wisdom about who God is, wisdom about how we live in this world in which he has placed us. We're gonna see that God has called us as individuals that we have, to be, we have to respond to be wise. We have to resolve to be wise. We do not get to passively just soak it in. We have to be active about it. And that beginning of wisdom starts with a correct understanding of who God is, as we were reminded of just a moment ago. Because see, if you're coming here today, let me just say this on the, on the front side here. If you're coming here today and you are not in Jesus Christ, one of the things that we will find in this book is that you cannot be wise. You are by default a fool apart from Christ. Now that sounds harsh, right? Now you're gonna see in the word of God, you're gonna see like, oh, well there's some interesting things about Proverbs that I can understand and I can learn and maybe there's things I can understand about this world that God has made and how I should interact in the work environment and how I should interact in my conversations and my relations and all of those things are true, but ultimately you are a fool apart from Christ because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we must have a right understanding of who God is. 
Apart from Christ, apart from knowing God, you are a fool and you will not be able to clearly understand these Proverbs, clearly have wisdom, the wisdom that God wants us to have, those who have been created in his image. The main idea this morning is the pursuit of wisdom starts with a true understanding of God. The pursuit of wisdom starts with a true understanding of God. And so the challenge for you and I this morning is that we would come to the word of God as always, we would sit at the feet of wisdom and we would understand who God is so that we might gain understanding this morning. And the first section that we're going to look at is the introduction of Proverbs. Really, you could have titled, uh, many uh, authors or commentators do this whole section, verses one through seven, as the introduction of Proverbs. We're going to look at just verse one this morning, uh, call that the introduction. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, Proverbs 1.1. To know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. Verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So jumping back to verse one, the proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, This is probably not new information to some of you, but just to remind ourselves, let's remind ourselves of who this guy is, who this Solomon is. We see this back in 1 Kings chapter three. 1 Kings chapter three, verse five. We have written for us, in Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night and God said, ask what you wish me to give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father according as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son, he was speaking of himself, Solomon, to sit on this throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David, yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people, which you have chosen a great people who are too many to be numbered or counted. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours. That's what Solomon asked for. God says, hey, by the way, king of my chosen people, what would you like? Solomon says, I'll choose wisdom. I'm like a child. There's this great people of yours. I don't know how to lead them. I need wisdom. God answered in 1 Kings 3.10, it was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. If we turn over 1 Kings 4.29, we see this. 4.29, now God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment and breadth of mind like the sand that is on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than all men, than people I'd have never heard of before, like Ethan the Ezraite, Heman, Calcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahal, and his fame was known in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. This is the Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, author of the book of Proverbs. He is, as was also declared in scripture, the wisest man really who ever lived, save our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we know he didn't write all of the Proverbs. There's actually less than 3,000 Proverbs in the book of Proverbs. Um, because someone else counted them, not me, and I read that somewhere. There's roughly like eight to 900, but he wrote about 3,000. It's obvious that some towards the end of the book have been attributed to other authors, but it's also likely that some, probably not many, but some of those even in the book of Proverbs are things that either he wrote himself or he compiled or aggregated because he liked to spend time with other wise individuals. But the author calls this the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. So he either wrote them all himself or he aggregated them or collected them working with these other individuals. But what are Proverbs? Wilkerson in his book, Talk Through the Bible, says this, quote, Proverbs deals with the most fundamental skill of all, practical righteousness before God in every area of life. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. We want to talk about practical righteousness before God in every area of life. And I think the thing that we really need to think about, especially as we're thinking about Proverbs, is that word righteousness. Because sometimes we think that when we come to the book of Proverbs, like, well, they're good things and they're helpful things, but if I veer off of them, is that really veering away from righteousness? But God's word says, this is how I have given you to walk in a manner in the world in which I have 
assign to you. He says, some of these Proverbs are about how we do things, how we interact with people, how we work, how we interact with our relationships, how we handle our speech. And when we are doing those things in accordance with the way that God has designed us to live on this earth, that is righteousness. It is practical righteousness to live before God in accordance with the way that he has created us in his image in every aspect of our life. Sometimes you're going to read through the Proverbs and you're like, man, that seems like a very mundane thing to talk about. And maybe it's true. But what God is telling us by writing about it is in this opportunity, we can either choose practical righteousness before him or we can choose to turn away from the God who has created us, the God who has created us in his image, who has given us wisdom to live in a way that he has declared. Now, some of you, maybe you read through the Proverbs and you're like, well, that's not very interesting, right? It's not very cool. It's not deep theology. It doesn't have weird imagery like revelations about things I don't understand. But Proverbs is the outworking of a theology that's rooted in a great God. And so for us to, as I mentioned earlier, for us to be able to practice Proverbs in a way that honors the God who created us, it starts with a theology of understanding who God is, how he has made us, and how we should relate to him as our creator. So in our workplaces, our homes, our relationships, as we think about our pride in the depths of our heart, our selfishness, our laziness, our speech, so many other things, Proverbs gives us a framework to approach all of those and please God. Proverbs instructs us to live in all aspects of everyday life. There's one other thing that we should call out before we move on. I think this is helpful to remember. Wilkerson is also helpful here. He says, the Proverbs are general statements and illustrations of timeless truth which allow for but do not condone exceptions to this rule. Now that's a very interesting sentence, but let's think about that for a moment. What does that mean? Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath. How many of you have offered up gentle answers in response to wrath? Anyone? Anyone? Bold? Okay, we got a few nervous hands. They're afraid I'm going to ask a follow-up question. Oh, you're right. I mean, like, usually, like, I like to respond with wrath to wrath. Like, that is the sinful nature of my own heart. It's like someone comes at me with wrath, and I'm like, boom, wrath right back. But God's word is declared a gentle answer turns away wrath. And some of you know that proverb and you seek to practice it according to God's word. Now another one, I'm not gonna make you like describe the situation. How many of you have used a gentle answer to turn away wrath and wrath did not get turned away? Yeah, true, right? Why? Because you did it wrong? Probably, I'm sinful, like I always do it wrong. I pick the wrong words or like I was like, hey, I'm gonna try a gentle answer this time instead of wrath. So someone's coming at me with wrath, I come out with a gentle answer and someone's like, well, Ben, that might've been gentle words, but that wasn't really gentle tones. And I'm like, all right, we'll try again, right? And that's how we respond according to God's word. But the reality is that on the other side of that is another sinful, rebellious person. Now, What does that mean with respect to the quote that we just had up on the screen? It allows for but does not condone exceptions to the rule. It means this. It means that we do not have license to walk away from the Proverbs when they don't achieve the outcomes that we had hoped for. What am I saying there? Maybe a spouse comes at us with wrath and we say, great, I'm going to come up with a gentle answer. Well, didn't work this time. You know what next time? Mano y mano. Let's do this. No. We don't get to walk away from God's word or from the Proverbs when they don't achieve the outcomes that we had hoped for them because God has called us to obedience regardless of the response or the outcome of the other individual involved because we're all sinful, rebellious people. One other illustration before we go on because I've I've actually talked to individuals about this one. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go even when he is old, he will not depart from it. There may be people in this room right now that are saying, Man, I have tried by the strength of God to train up my children in the way they should go. And right now they're not. What does that mean? How do I interpret God's word in light of that? You know, you have tried to be faithful and yet your child is walking in rebellion. Well, there's one thing we know for sure, 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. God has said, I am faithful. My word is faithful. Trust me, trust my word, be faithful. Continue to raise up your children according to the word of God and trust God to be God. 
And we have to do that all throughout the Proverbs. So it allows for, but it does not condone exceptions. These aren't promises, these are Proverbs. Our God is faithful. He always keeps his Proverbs. Or he also always keeps his promises that he has given to us that are explicit promises, but he's also been good and gracious to give us these Proverbs that give us wisdom to know how to live in this world in a way that would honor him and please him. And our obedience to those Proverbs does not get to wax and wane based on the success or the outcome that we perceive in them. Final comment as we kind of run through this, I just want to make sure we all have a good framework as we're walking through these Proverbs this morning. Paul Benware writes this, because Proverbs touches on every area of life, it is a favorite book of some believers. It is not only relevant to life, but God shows that God is interested in every area of life. You know, it's easy sometimes as believers to think, well, God only cares about my church life. He only cares about my evangelism life. He only cares about my discipleship life. But when I'm having conversations with people at a restaurant or maybe when I'm having conversations with people at work or I'm talking about hobbies or these other activities, God isn't in those things. What or how I choose to eat or where I go to eat or, or what I do in a meeting, God doesn't care about those things. He doesn't care about my hobbies. He doesn't care about this other thing. He doesn't care about... Proverbs reminds us that God is intimately concerned with every detail and area of our life. And by the way, it's not just Proverbs. This isn't just an Old Testament thing, right? This is all throughout the scriptures. Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He says, glorify God in what you eat and drink, 1 Corinthians 10.31. He says, glorify God in your work. Work heartily for the Lord, not for men, to the church at Colossae, Colossians 3.23. So that we see that this is true throughout scripture, that God is interested in every aspect of our lives. And in every aspect of our life, we have the opportunity to choose practical righteousness before him, or we can walk in rebellion against the word that he has declared. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. That's our introduction. Next, we're going to see the purpose of Proverbs, starting in verse 2. The purpose of Proverbs. And we're going to go through this. There's a couple of different ways that we could go through it. We're going to go through it just by looking at the different verbs that we see here as we move through it. And we're going to see how that uh, works out. Proverbs 1-2, to know wisdom and instruction to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. So the first purpose of Proverbs is that we should know. It says to know wisdom and instruction. And this word know just means to become known, to recognize, to find out. Maybe you were looking around and be like, I don't know what wisdom looks like. Never seen it. Definitely not seen it by, maybe you, you were unfortunate and you did not see that in the family that you grew up in. Maybe you do not see wisdom in the workplace that you're in. You do not see it around you. God has said in his book that he will give us the ability to know wisdom, to recognize it, to understand what it is, what is godly wisdom, what is biblical wisdom according to his word, according to the one who created us. You will be able to find and recognize wisdom and instruction. That is one of the gifts that God has given us in this book. This word wisdom that we see is a word also that's used multiple times throughout Proverbs and it means a practical ability to apply theory to practice. A practical ability to apply theory to practice. We need to be able to take the word of God and we need to be able to apply it in our lives. You know, if you're not involved in small groups, I'm not the small group guy, but I'm gonna plug small groups for a second because, yeah, whoo, thank you. You're welcome, Drew. Um, because small, like, what I always tell our small group is I'm like, small group is this, is this beautiful progression. We come and we sit under the word of God on Sunday morning. We get into our small groups and we say, great, like, what did we hear? How does this work in our lives? How do I apply this to my, my family? How do I apply this in the workplace? How do I live out the words that I have heard? And then we close praying for one another because we know it is only by the spirit of God that we can actually take the words that we've heard, practically apply it to our lives and live out practical righteousness before the Lord because the word of God and the spirit of God Amen. That is what God has called us to do. Wisdom, practically applying theory to practice. By the way, this word wisdom also has the idea of skill. Now, some of you are skilled in various things. Some of you have skills I can only dream of, like most of the people up here. They have amazing musical talents. Now, how did we get that skill? Well, usually it starts with some sort of natural ability or natural talent. That's how it starts. 
but we hone that skill through discipline and practice. And in the same way, God says, we are going to know wisdom. We're going to discipline ourselves for the purpose of wisdom. This is a skill that we have to practice. In my illustration earlier, sometimes my ability to start off with the right general answer to the situation, it needs a little work, it needs a little tuning, it needs a little refinement. Because the first time that I go with a gentle answer into a difficult conversation, there's still a lot of pride festering in me. There's still a lot of, and I have to try again, and I have to try again, and by practice, by practice applying God's word to every situation, we will grow up into wisdom. We will become mature in wisdom. That's what this word wisdom means. It means it is a skill that we have to learn through practice, practice by studying God's word, practice by applying God's word to our daily lives. That's what it looks like. We have to be resolved to be wise. We have to read his word, we have to meditate on it, and then we have to go out and walk in obedience. That is to know wisdom and instruction. That instruction is the training part of it. If wisdom is the skill part of it, the instruction is the training part. That we discipline ourselves, we apply ourselves to the task of wisdom. Now it's important here that when we look at this word wisdom, that we look at the book of Proverbs, we understand that wisdom is not about being great theologians and awful disciples. Some of us think that, like we see people like, man, that guy is really wise. Or that, that woman, she is really wise. She has very interesting sayings. She has very interesting thoughts. She has very interesting life experiences. She knows how to apply all these things. But man, I wouldn't want to live like her. <laughs> Wisdom is not about being great theologians and awful disciples. It is taking God's word, understanding it, applying it. It is practical righteousness before God. It is, as we do every week, coming to the book and saying, what does the word of God say and how should I then live? That is what wisdom is. And we're going to do that through the book of Proverbs as well. The next thing we're going to see is discern, to discern the sayings of understanding. Understand is another word we'll see repeated throughout the book of Proverbs. It's a word that means the ability to discern intellectually between truth and error. Between truth and error. You know, I, I think our culture is fantastic at times. It just gives us these beautiful illustrations of craziness. And, and there's, a, there's a phrase that you've heard of, it's become popular in the last couple of years, and it's called fake news. I thought that was hilarious. I didn't think we needed that adjective. I, like, I thought we all knew it, right? It's like humans that are interpreting life events through fallible human minds. That's what news is, right? But we're like, oh, it's fake news. What God's word has said is if you want truth, it's in this book. It's not in choosing a different news outlet. You don't somehow go from error to truth by choosing a different news outlet. I mean, don't get me wrong. It might be like, might like 2% better than the last one you looked at. But this is truth. To discern the sayings of understanding, God's word says this book will give us the ability to discern between truth and error. Not only do they give us wisdom, they give us to the, the ability to discern between truth and error. Proverbs 1.3 goes on to teach another purpose. As we're continuing to move through this, it says to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to receive. What will we obtain? What will we, will we grasp? What will we partake of when we come to this book, to the book of Proverbs? He says we will receive instruction. He says that instruction will be in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. We talked in verse two that that word instruction was about kind of disciplining ourselves. Another aspect of that word is in the idea of correction or chastening. But doesn't, I mean, that kind of makes sense, right? Because when we're instructed in something, usually it's because we didn't know something. We had to be corrected, our mind had to be corrected. We thought one plus one equaled three, and someone's like, no, Ben, it's two. It's like, let me think about that for a moment. You're right, right? We have to be corrected. We have to be brought on board, and so that to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity is necessary because of our sinful, deceitful hearts. We don't know what that looks like. And my prayer for you and I is that as we come to the book of Proverbs over the next few weeks, we don't come saying, I know what wise behavior is. I've read these Proverbs before. 
I bet I can skate through this one. I bet I can sleep with my eyes open. I bet I can just be here and be a, a warm body, but I don't actually have to listen. But are we humble enough to say, God, show me how my view of wise behavior is wrong. Show me how I am not practicing righteousness in my daily life. Show me that my version of justice and equity is skewed by the culture around me. Because I tell you what, like the word justice and equity, whew, it's all over the place. For those that are in the corporate culture, oh man, you get training and all kinds of things about equity. But they're not what God's word has said. The creator of the universe says, I am righteousness and justice and equity. Learn from me. And when we come to this book and we find ourselves saying, wait a minute, God's version of justice doesn't match mine, we don't ask God to get in line. That's not how it works. We say, God, give me humility to say, this isn't the way I thought it was. This isn't the way I thought I was supposed to relate to the world around me in justice and equity. God, refine me, humble me, lead me to a place of repentance how we love our spouses, how we raise our children, how we work and steward the resources God has given us, how we respond to authority, and how we interact with one another. All of those are things we're gonna see in the book of Proverbs. By the way, this, this word wise behavior, I was looking it up, um, has the idea of being prudent or having success. And, uh, and I chuckled as soon as I read it because I, I think to myself, a lot of people are like, success isn't really a Bible word, right? Like success sounds very man-centered. It sounds very pragmatic sometimes. You know, I've heard people say like, oh, well, we shouldn't, you know, we gotta be careful about success. I'm like, well, like, that's great because I would love to fail at my marriage. I would love to fail at my job. I would love to fail as a parent. No, that's ridiculous. We should all be praying that God would give us success in our marriages for his glory that we would have wise behavior to have a marriage that is according to his word, that is according to his design. Are we resolved to have success in our marriages according to the word of God this year? God says he will give us wise behavior that we might succeed in the task for which God has called us. God has given us commands We can either choose to fail at those or we can choose to follow those. He says he gives us righteousness, justice, and equity so that we can live upright in all of our relationships towards God and man. If you're in your Bibles, Proverbs chapter two, flip over just one page. My son, Proverbs 2.1, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, Make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her, her in this, uh, in this passage is referring to wisdom. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity guarding the paths of justice and he preserves the way of his godly ones. This is what God does. He is a shield. He guards us. He preserves us. Verse nine, then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. God will give us everything that we need to be able to walk in justice and equity and in every good course in our lives. Praise God for that. Praise God that he gives us everything that we need. We don't have to figure it out We don't need justices in our land to help us understand what God wants of us. God is good and gracious and he's given those types of people to us to discern between crimes and punishment and so many other things. But when it comes to justice and equity according to the way God declares it, it's here, it's in this book, he's given it to us. Praise God. Next, the proverb says that it has the purpose to give. We see verse four, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. Now what we're gonna see in verses four and five is there's kind of a a progression in the description of some of these individuals. We see in the beginning of verse four, there's the naive, and then we see the youth, and then in verse five, we see this wise man, this man of understanding. But to the naive and the youth, they have to have something given to them. I think it's interesting, we talk about receiving, we talk about giving these days. We have to give prudence to the naive. 
The naive are so naive, they don't know what they need. Have you ever been there? You're like, know somebody? I had uh, I, my very last class of my, uh, my undergraduate degree, had a computer science professor, and he was telling me there's these things, Ben, called unk unks. Unk unks are the unknown unknowns. He's like, there's unknown. Sometimes you don't know something. You're like, well, I need to go figure this out. But then the unk unks, he's like, those are the worst ones. Those always get you because you don't even know what you don't know. And God says, I will give prudence to the naive. They don't even know what they don't know. They don't have the ability to discern between truth and error. They're just walking around and they're confused by the things that they see around them. And they need someone to give them prudence. The naive or the simple-minded. David writes in Psalm 19:7, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The naive, the simple, can have wisdom because it comes from God, because he gives it freely. He gives it to us. These immature individuals do not have the ability to discern the sayings of understanding. They don't have the ability to discern between truth and error. To them, God says this book will give them that ability. He says he will give prudence to the naive, wisdom to the simple. And then he goes on to the youth. We see this in the second half of verse four. To the youth, knowledge and discretion. Knowledge and discretion. Those who are young in the faith, those who are young in their walk with the Lord, he said, I will continue to give you wisdom and, um, sorry, I will give you knowledge and discretion so that you might continue to walk in a manner to please me and honor me. God is so faithful. He gives the appropriate thing to the appropriate individual at the appropriate time if we will but receive it from his hand. He gives to the naive prudence he gives to the youth, knowledge and discretion. Verse five, there's a transition here that I think is very beautiful. It says a wise man will hear and increase in learning. You see this individual is already pursuing wisdom but this is what he says. Solomon says that someone who has started pursuing wisdom does not get to stop. We don't get to arrive. We don't like hit some certification or some degree. We don't get a plaque on our wall. We don't say, we, well, I've read the Bible this many times or that many times, or like I went to that Sunday school class. You know what, I, I had a study on Proverbs once. Think I got it, Lord. That worked for me five years ago. Thought I did all right. I even memorized a verse or two. No, it says, the wise man will hear and increase in learning. He doesn't just hear, he doesn't just listen. He actually adds to his learning. He actually augments his learning. Proverbs 9, 8 and verse... Chapter nine and verse eight, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase his learning. Now let me pause for just a moment. is perhaps one of the hardest things in the Christian life, going to another brother or sister in Christ and saying, hey, we need to talk about something. Is that hard? Anyone wanna raise their hand and say that's easy? Like, that's your favorite job, like, you love it. You're like, whew, hey, if you need like a, a pinch hitter, like, I'm in. But why is it hard? Proverbs 9.8 says, reprove a wise man and he will love you. The problem is oftentimes when we're going to reprove someone, it's because they're walking in error. And I tell you what, this has happened to me even in the last couple of months. Someone had to come to me and say, hey, Ben, you know, he's like, I think, you know, you, your speech in that one conversation that I witnessed, it wasn't, you know, there's a group of people standing around and, and you made this comment. And I was like, man, I'm like, well, first off, I'm too ignorant to even remember that I said it. But secondly, I'm like, well, yeah, I definitely probably said it. That sounds like something I would say. But the whole time, the hairs in the back of my neck are like, who are you? Are you kidding me? Like, what is going on here? Did I, did I love hearing that? Was I like, thank you, whoo, high, high five up top. Like, I completely missed it. You like pointed out to me, no. But that's what God's word has called us to be. He says, if we reprove a wise man, he will love you. 
teach a righteous man and he will increase his learning. You know, you may think that you know wise people or wise individuals because, you know, they, they can quote a lot of Bible verses. Maybe they can spell all those big theological terms or they know things about Greek or Hebrew. The word of God says someone that can hear and increase in learning, that is a wise man. That is a wise man. It takes humility to be able to hear someone give you feedback and say, thank you, Lord, that you have given me someone to show me how I can walk closer with you. Praise God for that. That is what it means to be wise, not that we sit in some ivory tower and dole out pithy sayings or dole out things that other people have to respond to. It's that we sit there and we carry on our learning, we augment our learning, we add to our learning. That's what this phrase means. We are sitting here at the book of Proverbs today saying, you know what, I've read this passage before and you've probably read it before, but I tell you what, the past couple weeks studying it, God was refining me and it took shaving off a little bit of my pride to be able to say, yeah, am I, am I looking clearly at what God's word says and am I, am I aligning myself to it so that I might walk in practical righteousness before him? How about you and I? Do we know how to receive correction and instruction? By the way, can someone give me an example of what this might look like? Not, like, not describe a scenario, but like, what does correction and instruction mean in this scenario? Like, what does it mean for a wise man to hear and increase in learning? What would that look like? Accepting responsibility. Okay, yeah, so it's easy. Sometimes the very first part of some of those awkward conversations is like, yeah, not willing to accept responsibility. Have a heart that seeks and invites that feedback. Yeah, that welcomes it. Yeah. Change of direction. Yeah. Actually, that's a great one. Because, see, I think sometimes we think we're wise when we hear something new and we're like, oh, yeah, I agree with that. Like, I didn't know that thing before, and now I hear it. And, and I agree to it because that seems reasonable or rational. And by the way, that, that is wise, but that's the easier part of it. The harder part of it is when, some, when you say, oh my goodness, I actually didn't think that way. I didn't understand it that way. That wasn't the way that I thought it should be. That wasn't what I saw in God's word and I'm willing to change my direction and line up with God's word. That is humility, that is wisdom, and that is hard because we are arrogant, proud people. Praise God that he has given us wisdom in his word. He has said that the wise will hear and increase in learning. He's also said that those who do so will acquire wise counsel and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. We see that at the end of verse five. How do we, how do we acquire wise counsel? Where would we get that? Acquire just means like to get it. Like we didn't have it. Now we need to get it. We got some of it, we need more of it. Let's acquire it. That sounds great. How do we get wise counsel? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Someone older, someone who's been through those life experiences. Uh, I think the implication is and been faithful through them, right? You mentioned a, like a Paul in your life, like a mentor. I think Drew said, just go to the word. That's a great place to start. I'm, I'm convinced because it claims that it is perfect for making the simple wise, and I'm pretty simple. I could get wisdom by going here. I think you could too. I think you were about to say something, Paul. No, Joseph. Just ask. Ask who? Ask your wife. She's a godly woman. Ask her. Say, I need some wise counsel. That's great. That, that's the beauty of what God has given us in the marriage relationship. Is he has, he's given someone to like make sure I just don't mess it up all the time. I'm thankful for Angela for that. By the way, James 1 says we ask of God. He gives all generously without reproach. Any other ways? Any other ways that we acquire wise counsel? Say it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, meditating on the word, chewing on it, thinking about it, pondering it, putting it up in places, seeing it, reminding yourself of it. Not, not just, just reading it and going by like, yeah, I read that proverb once, pretty cool, pretty silly. Like, I'm going to keep going. No. What does the word of God say? Small group. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. A lot of us talked about ask, but I think one of the ways that we acquire wise counsel is we actually actually have to talk. We have to speak. We have to be vulnerable to be able to say, hey, I need to tell you about this situation, about what's going on, and I need your wise counsel in my life. And that's a very humbling thing. Proverbs 4.4, 4, if you're there, you can just turn over a page or two. Proverbs 4.4 4 says this. Then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. By the way, I love that. I, I like paused and I thought about that. Keep my commandments and live. I'm a big fan of living, so I like this verse. Keep my commandments and live. Thank you, Lord. This is how we do it. Verse five, acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her wisdom again, and she will guard you, love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom, and with all your acquiring, get understanding. A little bit repetitive, but what does he say? He's like, wisdom, you gotta go out and get it. You gotta grab it. You want more of it? Find it. Ask of the Lord. Consult wise counselors. Proverbs 15, 22, without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. I would ask each of you that if you had something that happened today, who would you call? Who would you pick up the phone and hope was on the other end? Not just to say, hey, I think you can get me out of this scrap, but I trust you to give me wise, godly counsel. Maybe send them a note, encourage them, pray for them this week, and continue to take advantage of that. A wise man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. We see in verse six, the last of the purposes that we're going through, it says to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. Solomon that is saying, kind of as we go through this progression, as we're going from the naive to the youth to this wise man, this man of understanding, that we land in a place through maturity where we have the ability to understand these proverbs and figures, words and riddles. As we sit at the feet of the word of God and mature, we're going to see this happening. Paul understood this, by the way. He wrote to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, 2, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it, and even, indeed, now you are not yet able. The author of Hebrews writes, Hebrews 5, 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You think you're in high school, you think you're in college, nope, back to elementary school, back to the elementary oracles of God. You have need of milk and not solid food for everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice, practice reading God's word, practice applying God's word, practice walking in obedience, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. That is what wisdom is. It is through practice to train ourselves to what good and evil is because we are hearing God's word, we are following God's word, we have wise counselors around us to keep us like the bumpers in the bowling alley, keep us in the lane. He says some of you should be ready for solid food but instead you're still drinking milk. Well, why? Because you're not growing up into maturity in Christ. He says, as we grow in our maturity in Christ and our understanding of God's word, he says, we'll be able to understand a proverb, a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. This takes humility, it takes faithfulness, it takes repetition. Uh, many years ago, I think I was probably in college, um, I was reading a book titled Living by the Book. It's written by a man named Howard Hendricks. And it's really a book about studying the Bible. If you haven't read it, I would recommend it to you. He was talking about the importance of reading the word of God repeatedly, and in one of his chapters, he writes this. He says, years ago, I read a book in which the author wrote this. He said, when I read this passage for the hundredth time, the following idea came to me. And Howard Hendricks goes on to comment, well, this seems ridiculous. And I remember as a young man, when I read it, hearing Howard Hendricks talk about this other guy taking a hundred times to read something, I thought that also sounded ridiculous. 
because in my pride and arrogance, I thought, I bet I would have caught it on the fifth time. Maybe like the 10th time. Maybe in the low 20s, I don't know, right? But like, isn't that the way that you and I are? We hone ourselves according to the word of God as we practice the word of God, as we read the word of God, as we apply the word of God. We meditate on the word of God. Sometimes it takes us a while to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and the riddles. I remember when I was younger, remember that proverb about the sluggard and the barn door and its hinges? Anyone remember that one? That's my favorite one. When I was a kid, I was like, that's ridiculous. I don't understand what that means. I was trying to like picture it in my mind. I know exactly what that means. I don't know about you, but when I'm laying on my bed like this and that snooze goes off, get a little more sleep. That's me as a sluggard. I'm a barn door on his hinges. And I tell you what, that thing sticks in my mind. And in God's graciousness, I didn't have to read that one a hundred times, but God is going to teach us through his word, through his Proverbs, as we meditate on them and as we study them. It takes us a while to understand these. Some of these are more challenging than others. I will confess, I don't think the barn door one's actually a hard one. I just think I was ignorant. But, um, but God in his grace revealed it to me. It reveals our hearts to us through the Proverbs and figures and words and riddles. That is what the book of Proverbs does. And then finally, as we come to understand all of these things, we see in verse 7, the theme of the book of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Wilkerson again writes this. He says, to fear God is to stand in awe of his righteousness, majesty, and power, and to trust him by humbly depending upon him. Then he makes this interesting statement. He says, there is a reciprocal relationship here because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We see that here and also in chapter 9, verse 10. But also wisdom leads to the knowledge and fear of God, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. So as we have a right understanding of who God is, we gain wisdom. And as we walk in wisdom, we come into a deeper and deeper understanding of who God is. Paul Benware writes this, he says, wisdom is not simply a matter of the intellect, it is viewing life and self from God's perspective, which is the only true and valid perspective. A wise person is able to deal with life's issues and problems with the advantage of God's viewpoint, a proper view of God that results in a right relationship with God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 1.22 said, the naive ones love being simple-minded. The scoffers delight in scoffing. Fools hate knowledge. Job 28.28, behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. To depart from evil is understanding. Ecclesiastes 12.13, the conclusion when all has been said is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment whether it is everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. That's why we fear him. He is our creator. He is our judge. He is the giver of all good things. He is the good and perfect and wise God. You see, in contrast, people become fools when they are unwilling to learn or are complacent in their confidence that everything will turn out all right. Don't we have that sometimes? We're unwilling to learn. He says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. We're like, hey, it's all gonna work out, right? You know, I don't actually need to follow these passages in respect to my marriage. I think I got that thing figured out. I don't really need to follow this passage with respect to what's going on in the workplace. I can figure it out by the strength of my own will. I'll grind it out. I'll pull myself above my bootstraps. Proverbs 18:2: a fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. Once again, that wise person is willing to receive instruction, not just to speak. And then this one, man, if you, if you haven't read this one before, I was not familiar with this. In Proverbs 27, 22, though you pound a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. Let me give you the common vernacular. You can't slap the foolishness out of a fool. You can't pound it out of him with a mortar and pestle and you can't slap the foolishness out of him. The only thing that gets the foolishness out of the fool is a right understanding of who God is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I'm going to skip down all the way to the end for sake of time. Verse 24, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. What is God is saying is that what is wisdom to God is foolishness to us apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, we have no capacity to believe in him. 
those in the world, they can't understand God. It's all foolishness to them because of their finite, fallible, rebellious, wretched children of wrath minds. And such were you and I apart from Christ. Instead, when Christ called down and redeemed us. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. If you are here today and you do not know Christ, you cannot understand the wisdom of God apart from first coming to a relationship with him. So how do we conclude today? Three things, we'll give them to you real quick because we've already talked about them. First, we fear the Lord. We understand who he is according to his word, that he is a great God, that he is a wrathful God, that he has created us in his image to follow after him. And in his great love, he sent his only begotten son to save us. We need to fear him. We need to understand who he is. By the way, if you go back and read, if, if you want to have a fun exercise, go back and read all the passages about fear of the Lord and just look at how many times keeping his commandments is right there in that same verse. That is what it looks like. Fearing the Lord isn't a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's a response to an awesome God. And it results in obedience. Pursue wisdom, number two. Pursue it. We have to be resolved to be wise. We need to acquire it. We need to go after it. We need to find it in his word. We need to find it through the fellowship of believers. We need to pursue wisdom. And finally, we need to do not despise instruction. If we're going to be resolved to be wise and not to be fools in 2024, we need to not despise instruction. That's easy, right? It's easy to have someone give us feedback and be like, you know what? Great idea, I really like my way better. Great idea, I think I got this all figured out. Great idea, I think I'm doing just fine. If we're gonna resolve to be wise, you have to hear and increase in instruction according to God's word. Let's go out this week in the fear of the Lord, the one who has given us all wisdom and knowledge for life and godliness through his great and precious promises. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you have given us wisdom, Father, you gave us prudence when we were naive. Father, your word declares that you, you saved us when we were children of wrath. You transferred us to the kingdom of your beloved son by your own good pleasure. And we're so thankful for that. Father, we know that if you did not reach out first, we would still be dead in our sins. We love because you first loved us, Lord. And we just pray that as we think about your word this week, as we meditate on wisdom, we might walk out in a way that we would live practically, righteously, wisely, in justice and equity this week for your glory according to your word. We thank you for Christ who bought us and is the power of God and the wisdom of God for us this week. In Christ's name, amen.